Welcome to Bear Creek AG's online service podcast. We're so glad that you tuned in with us today. We upload a new service every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. So we look forward to having you tune in with us again. Here's today's message. Turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. I have a hard time. I know this sounds bad. I have a hard time, church. not preaching. There was a time in my life I would say don't, and I'm not justifying it, but I really feel like that God gave his life for us. We can give him an extra 15 minutes or so of our day. So, And, and, and I'll tell you what I'll do. Is this fair? I'm going to cancel church tonight. Is that fair? No church tonight. Don't come back tonight. Amen. Um, Matthew chapter 14. I'm, I was going to have some fun with this, but because of the the seriousness of the atmosphere, I'm not going to have a lot of fun with this this morning, so please forgive me. Uh, but I do want to say a, heart, a heartfelt thank you, church, for honoring my wife and I, and my family for that matter, last Sunday. We, we were blessed, and we thank you so much for the meal, all the attention that was given to us. I mean, one Sunday out of the year is about me, and I made that very clear last week, didn't I? It's all about me, joking with it. But sincerely, thank you so much and for receiving the message that God <clears throat> shared, my, you know, shared with me to share with you. I also want to say a quick thank you to a couple of guys in our church. Uh, Jay, would you stand? John, where's John at? John, is he in there? John, come on, step in here real quick. Um, these two guys were, a lot of other guys did, but these two guys headed up our men's retreat this past weekend. We had 25, 26, I don't know the final count. Men go to Lake Talcum. It was a fishing trip. It was a disc golf trip. But can I tell you something? Uh, we, we had church as well. Brother Ben brought a devotional. We had church, and we prayed for each other. A few of them were weeping. <clears throat> and just it, just it was a great, great time. And I want to say, no, don't sit down. <laughs> I ought to make you both come up front. But just thank you for being obedient. John couldn't come but one day, and he worked so hard. He, he organized it under Jay's leadership, and, and it was great. And Danny toted all kinds of stuff. And then Brother Jim, he, he cooked fish, and it was a great time. Brother Joey cooked. I mean, it was a great effort. I mean, you guys can sit down now. That's enough. And, uh, and, and Mike Motes, man, he slaved. He said for days making the chili, some of the best chili he'd ever made. <coughs> Brought this chili. Yeah, he's really good with the chili, and we did, we did learn what happens at the retreat stays at the retreat, but we did learn something uh, about Pastor JP. We found out that, he, uh, according to Lloyd, who has never been married, that JP's like a woman. <laughs> Takes him two hours to get ready, <laughs> but we, 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 had a, we had a good time. We also found out some guys learned how to catch fish or hadn't been fishing. And caught a, we caught a ton of fish. And, and uh, Brother Bill, we found out he don't only know how to keep score in disc golf, but he keeps score when he catches fish as well. He, he made sure everybody knew how many fish he caught. But we had a good time. Thank you, wives, for those guys who were married, for letting your husbands come away. I hope they came back different, not just tired, but different. It was a great time. So, Well, you know, anytime the Word is preached or you read the Word, the, the Word is the same. The Spirit's the same. The difference is, is what you do with the Word. 
Okay, and so I'm going to lay that as a foundation again this morning. It's, 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 not, it's the same word that you've read this story about the feeding of the 5,000, same word. It's the same spirit behind it. It's the Holy Spirit. Uh, I just hope that maybe today your ears are opened a little bit differently and you prepare the heart to receive the word today because uh, th- this is a very powerful message for the time that we're living in today. Now, I want to start with this. How many of you guys can remember back when you went to school? Brother Ben, did they have school back then when you were younger? <laughs> 15 miles. All right. Y'all remember? Uphill. Uphill. Uphill both ways in the snow. He lived in Florida. Uh, how many of y'all remember what your favorite subject matter was? Anybody remember? What was your favorite, JP? P.E.? I know Mike's was lunch. Anybody else? Favorite P.E.? Sherry? Language Arch? Brother Andy? English. Okay. History. Very good. Very good. Uh, not one of y'all said math. Oh, did you? Thank you, Brother Gerald. I won't, I won't say that math was my favorite subject, but I definitely liked it better than English and language arts and, 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 and science and those kinds. I really did. I, I, I'm not saying I'm excelled at math, but I, I enjoyed math. Math is a science. Math is a language. It's, a, it's all encompassed in everything that we enjoy today and technology and all the medication, all the stuff that we enjoy today. It, the basis of it is rooted in mathematics, and it's, it's a powerful language of its own. And... Um, and so today we're going to begin a couple weeks journey. I don't know, maybe just two weeks. It may just be three weeks wherever God loads on my heart. I've got a few ideas that he's laid on my heart. And we're going to look at math. We're going to go back. But we're not going to look at math as you learned it. Not x squared plus y squared equals z squared. Or, or, and by the way, pi are not square. They're always round. We know that. I've never eaten a square pie. That becomes a, a cake. Uh, uh, but the point is, is we're not going to learn math like you learned it in school. We're going to learn uh, God's mathematics. We're going to learn what, what we call kingdom equations. There are equations, uh, ways, things in the kingdom of God that work differently than in the natural. And one of them is this. The first equation we're going to look at is simply this. I think it's going to be up there. Two fish times five loaves equals not one meal, but equals what? Actually, over 5,000 meals. Actually, think about that. Two fish, five loaves equal five plus thousand meals. Let's follow along with me in Matthew chapter 14 beginning in verse 13. I hope you have your Bibles out. Everybody hold up your Bible. Let me see you got your Bible. I don't care if it's digital paper. Great, great, because this is not going to be on the board. Too much to, to put up there. So we're going to follow along with me. Verse 13, when Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowd followed him on foot from, town, from the town. So they came from all around where Jesus was, was, was at at this moment. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Verse 15, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. There was no Chick-fil-A. There, there, there was no fast food. There's no Zaxby's, brother. Brother Bill, no Zaxby's there for those wings that you enjoyed yesterday, right? Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. I love that. Listen to what I said. They don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. That's a powerful statement right there by our Lord. They don't have to go away. You give them something to eat, all right? You meet their need. We have only five loaves and a bread and two fish, which isn't the truth. They didn't have anything. This is a little boy's lunch, all right? And they answered, Bring, and they answered him rather, bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate, and I love this. I don't know if this has ever happened in any church before. This is a church service. And they were, 
Satisfied. They were full. Absolutely. That's good preaching. And the disciples picked up their 12 baskets of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who, uh, who ate was about 5,000 men besides the women and the children. Father, I ask right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, as we have read your word, now, Lord, may we receive it, Lord, and what you have for us today, God, to go forward through this week, God, and into the future, Lord, whatever you may have laid ahead of us, God. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. How many people you think were there that day? There are 5,000 men besides women and children. How many you think were there? Maybe 15,000? Maybe 16? I mean, all being, I mean, you think about 5,000 men. I'm not saying every one of them were married, but let's say half of them were married. Well, that's 7,500. What if they all had one child? I mean, you do the math. There was between, there was over 5,000 people we know there to be fed. And whether it's 10,000, 15,000, 20,000, really at this point, that doesn't matter much because all they had was two fish and five loaves. But what a miracle. What a miracle that they saw that day. And let's face it, we all have found ourselves in a season that when you look at what you have compared to what you need, it seems a little overwhelming at times, doesn't it? When you look at what you have, whether it's in the physical, whether it's in the natural, whether it's in the financial, whatever it is, when you look at what you have and you look at what you need, it looks impossible. The situation for these disciples, it looked impossible. I mean, think about it. How do you feed that many people? It's hard when you think about that many people. Matter of fact, it was so overwhelming, they didn't even really, I mean, maybe they looked for a solution. They knew that they had a little boy's box lunch. But let's just send them away, Lord. It's late. You know you're tired. We know we're tired. <laughs> you know, just send them away. But that wasn't God's plan. This looked impossible, but the story gives great encouragement to us all today. If you find yourself in that situation where when you see what you need compared to what you have and they don't equal each other. And they won't in the natural lot of times, but in God's equation, in God's kingdom, a little means a lot. So let's first, the first thing I want you to notice, and sometimes when this message is preached by other ministers, I'm not knocking them, but I just feel like the, 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 the pre-story is important. When you look at this, we find that Jesus, the encouraging thing is Jesus had compassion on these people. That's where it starts in that paragraph. He has compassion for these people. If you read the pre-story, if you read a few verses 4, we find that Jesus had just gotten some of the worst news you could get. His good friend and cousin, the forerunner, the last Old Testament prophet, John the Baptist, had just been beheaded, or the word just got to Jesus, that he'd been beheaded by King Herod. You know the story, I won't go to the backstory, but uh, uh, just as, a, as, as, as a, a bribe or a blessing or a gift uh, to his stepdaughter, Herod had had John the Baptist's head call. And Jesus had just received this information. That's why he got into a boat and he went off to a remote place. Jesus probably is mourning. Now, we don't think of Jesus that way, but remember that we've said in previous weeks, Jesus goes through everything we go through. He feels everything we feel. He's been through it. And the loss of a loved one, even though he knew John was going to paradise at that point, Heaven, paradise, we're not sure where he went. We know he was, in, he was good with God. I'm not going to split theological hairs there. But yeah, we know he's going. But still, there's that mourning, isn't there? There's a missing. There's that sadness of how he had to die, what he had to go through. And so here he is, and he goes along remotely. But the people hear about Jesus, where he's at. And they come from the towns on foot, and they meet him where he's at. And Jesus had every right to tell the people, go back home. Go home. 
I just lost a good friend. I'm tired. I don't have it in me. But that's not what the Bible said. The Bible said he looked upon the crowd with compassion. He had every right to say no, but he looked upon the crowd with compassion, and he healed them. Even in his loss, Jesus never made it about himself. He showed compassion. I love that about our Lord and our Savior. He is a God of compassion. God moved when we are hurt and in pain. You, someone here today needs to know that. You're hurting and you're pain. God sees you. He knows that, and he's moved. He may not bring the relief, the answer you want, when you want it, how you want it, but the fact that he is there, he has the answer, is, we're going to get to that in a minute, is the reality of your situation. He is moved when we hurt. He's moved when we're sick. He created you just like a mother over her child. And I don't know too many mamas when their children get older, even when they grow up and they get to be 55, that mom is not still concerned over her children when they're sick. And we see that. He cares about you when you're sick, when you're in need, when you're struggling. When all is lost, remember that God has compassion for you. The psalmist put it this way in 145. The Lord is gracious gracious and compassionate. Listen, slow to anger. Thank God he's slow to anger. Thank God I'm not God. You better thank him I'm not God because I'm not slow to anger. I'll kick my disc around. I'll kick my water ball. Brother Bill gave me a soccer ball, so next time I lose my cool on the golf course, I can kick that soccer ball around. And boy, do I need it at time. That's not God. No, why? He is, he is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He is no respect as a person. He's, he is good to all. He has compassion in all he has made. He's compassionate towards the wildlife out in the woods or down the street. He's compassionate to everything he has made. See, that's God. Lamentations 3.22, Brother Glenn knows this one because this, this, is, this is his motto. He is so thankful because he needs us every day. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. He has ultimate love and his mercies, because Glenn needs them every morning, are renewed. If nothing else, they're for Glenn every day. Those mercies are never ending. They're renewed every morning. Great is your faithfulness, Lord. That's the God that we serve. That's the God who gave you life. That's the God who created you. And he has compassion on you in your life. Another encouraging fact found in this story is that Jesus is bigger than any problem we face. Now, I've preached about this before, and God has moved in our services, and you've heard the interpretation of that very fact. When the disciples came to Jesus, in their minds, this was a huge problem. I, can't, I look at the problems I have in leading this flock and some of the things that we're trying to overcome as a church, and I get over I can't imagine how they, and mentally what was going through their mind. But Jesus didn't say, send them away. He didn't say, you're right, send them away. He said, you give them something. You give them something. You, what do you have to give? What was Jesus doing here? He was encouraging the disciples to look for a solution. Look for the answer, right? Take your eyes off of the problem in front of you and focus on the answer, I loved it in the secular world. I learned a lot in the secular world. When I worked for an international paper company, my department, IT, fell under the financial department, so I answered to a, a bean counter. And boy, it's rough working for a bean counter, isn't it, babe? Living with a bean counter, because I'm a bean counter. And I came to him one day as a young man overseeing part of a, of a big project, multi-million dollar project, and I was a little overwhelmed, and I came to him with a problem. And Frank... He sat me down. He says, Tony, don't you ever enter my office again with a problem. What do you want me to do, Frank? He says, you come to a, with a solution to my office. 
You, you have a problem. You figure it out and come with a solution. Now, obviously, this problem was too big for these disciples to do without the answer. But what Jesus was doing, he was encouraging them, don't look at the problem. Come with something to work with. Jesus is still the answer to every problem we face today. He said, what do you have with faith? Take what you have and you give it to these people. Because why? The miracle is not dependent on us in the sense that we are the ones doing the miracle. God does the miracle. We just have to present to him what we have and have faith for God to do what needs to be done. See? That's what he's saying. He's saying, take your eyes over. Come. Jesus is the answer to all the problems we face today. Jesus is your answer today. No matter what you're facing, no matter what you're going through, what do you have Jesus is the answer. He'll use what you have. And what you don't have, he will provide for you. I think today, I was mentioning Monday night or Wednesday night, I forget where, in, in, in one of my small groups that I'm a part of. And, and I, you know, I, I'm 55, um, and, which is not old, I keep being reminded, but I'm older. And, and there are things that you young people understand. I used to be young. I'm not as old as Brother Gerald, but I used to be young. And I have learned things. And so... You, Trust me, when I thought I knew it all, I didn't know it all. I'm living in one of the darkest times of my life, in my 55 years of living. In my lifetime. Now, I'm too young to remember the 60s, just barely young enough to, uh, old enough to remember the 70s. About 78s were outside of just a few tragic events in my life that I have a day-to-day memory of life. I, I, when I started realizing in the end of, matter of fact, I... I was in junior high school uh, when President Reagan was elected. This is not politics. I'm just talking about I, I remember Carter, and I remember how bad things were because my mom and dad talked about how bad things were under Carter. That's all I'm reading. But when I started getting a job and driving and saw the prices, you know, it was when Reagan. I remember the, remember the Iron Curtain, remember the Soviet Union, remember the Berlin Wall. I remember that Gorbachev, tear down that. I mean, woo, I remember. Things have been good in my life until the last eight years. In the sense that you look at all that's happened, especially with Hurricane Michael, with the pandemic, with the government uh, unrest, with the, with the economy tanking. I'm just, I'm just talking about the wars that we've been in. I mean, I mean, the fear that everyone is living in. But let me remind you that Jesus is still the answer. He's the only solution to the troubles that surround us. He is the only answer to the world's problems. That's why his desire is to send you and I as salt and light into the world. We are to take the bread of life. We are to take the bread, the broken by Jesus, the idea, the thought, the relationship we have, and we're to go into a world that's hurting, that's dying, that's in need, that has no answer, who's lost all of its hope. We are to not to walk around hopeless. We we know who our hope is in. We know who the, we have to know the answer is in him. And he says, I want you to go into the world and share the light of my gospel. Be the salt, the preservative of this world. That's why he wants, that's the whole desire he has for us. That's why we were created, why he saved us. We're to give them the only thing that will make a difference in the eternal souls. We are to give them Jesus. He is the answer. It's funny. When, when I was a children's pastor many years ago, we had this little robot, and when the pastor went long, you think I'm long-winded. So we created this little robot. His name was HT, stood for Holytron, and I would be the, the brain behind Holytron, and he was just a little upside-down trash can. With, he had blinking lights and heater hose. He kind of looked like this, and his voice went like this. I know Pastor JP remembers those days. 
And when we had to just stretch out the service because the pastor was being long-winded like the pastor is today, embellishing in stories like this in his, in his past, I'm thankful I can remember it. But they would come up with a, with a question. If Holy Tron couldn't answer, they got to go in the treasure chest, and we had some really cool gifts. Kind of that the parents hated because it's usually a giant pixie stick or a giant Hershey bar. And we made sure they ate it before they went home because we wanted them to remember they had a great time in church, right? Send them home jacked up on sugar crack. But they had to ask their questions. Sometimes they'd get me. They'd stump me. And I'd be back there with my Bible trying to figure out. And if I didn't know the answer, usually I would come up with the answer, God. The answer is God. Why? Because God is always the answer. He's always the answer. He has the answer. We need to remember what 1 John 4 says. It says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Now, I was going to make this a reflective service, but for time I don't. But what I want you to do is, I hope you're taking notes. I hope you got your phone app and the app has all my notes in it. I want you to reflect. We're going to take time and reflect uh, on how big and how mighty and how powerful God is. Reflect on that. I was going to have you reflect on how compassionate and merciful God has been towards you. We need to reflect on these things because those things remind us who God is and what he's done. So take your eyes off your problem. Focus on Jesus because our God is bigger than anything we face. He's the answer to the world and what the world is facing today. Another encouraging one, and I'm moving quickly here, but this is great stuff. I hope you're, I hope you're feasting on this today because we're all going to need this sooner or later. Another encouraging principle from the story is Jesus simply asks us to give what we have. And this is so elementary, but we forget this sometimes. He just asks us to give what we have. That's what he did with the disciples, right? What amazes me is how many irresponsible moms there were. I put it on the moms. Because we know dads don't know how to cook or make sandwiches or, or lunches, right? Come on. How many moms? Only one little boy had a lunch that day of all those people? My goodness, mom, where were you? He lived with his dad, yeah, his single parent, yeah. That should have come from a mom, but anyway. Our mom should have said, I was at work, but anyways, all right. When the disciples said all they had was five loaves and three fish, Jesus said, let me have it. Just let me have. What, what do you have? I imagine that the disciples were a little perplexed by what Jesus asked them. Well, is Jesus going to eat this lunch? Is that what Jesus is doing, right? I'm amazed that the little boy gave it up. He didn't keep any of it for himself. I believe that's because Jesus had made that kind of impact in his life. I know when Jesus made an impact in my life, I gave it all to him. See, all to him. All my hang-ups, all my pains, all my sin, my future, my possessions. But they were a little perplexed that day. But they obeyed and gave Jesus the lunch. And this simple act of obedience, listen, this simple act of obedience opened the door for Jesus to perform an amazing miracle that's still being talked about even today. An undeniable miracle. And I want you to understand this is a very important biblical principle. Some of y'all need to write this down. Your obedience, your obedience paves the way for great things to happen in your life. Sometimes God can't, we say God can do everything, but realize God cannot do everything. You have to be willing to allow him to do it. See, it's a little twist of words, but we have to realize that this morning. It paves the way. Jesus desires our hearts to be fully yielded to him. When we yield our hearts to the Lord, great things are going to happen. Great things are going to happen when you yield your heart to Jesus. When our hearts are fully yielded to God, everything else in our lives are yielded to God. Did you know that? If, if everything in your life is not yielded to God, then your heart is not fully yielded to God. 
That's why he tells us over there in Matthew says, but seek ye first what? The kingdom of God and his righteousness. It's seeking him first. It's putting him first. Or he also says that we are to love the Lord thy God with what? All our heart, soul, mind, body, spirit, car, bank account, children, wife, husband, right? Come on, food. We're supposed to love him with everything we have. We need to put God first. Yield our hearts fully to God because when we do, it opens up the door for God to do exactly what we want him to do in our lives. Does this make sense? I hope you're enjoying this this morning. Put God first in your life. And when you do, he simply asks you to bring what you have and give it to him. And when you do, miracles will take place. Your obedience opens the door for God's blessings. Here's another biblical principle from this story. Jesus will bring blessings from what is broken. I didn't realize how many times in the Bible it talks about things being broken. And several times it talks about the bread being broken be honest with you. So you look at this, but it is. It, it, it's something powerful in, in the breaking of something. Jesus, the miracle worker, full of love and compassion, took what they gave him, offered to God. Verse 19 says why? That he looked up to heaven, he blessed it, and he broke the meal. He broke the bread. And there's something about the breaking that allows the miracle to happen. There are times in our lives where we, we go through seasons of brokenness, and we're so tempted to throw in the towel. Don't shun the broken times. We want to live in comfort and peace and all the blessings of God. But can I tell you that that's, that's not biblical. That's not reality. Don't shun the broken time. If there's something in your life, if you're broken, something not, don't avoid those. Instead, humble yourself before the Lord because why? Blessings come through brokenness. There's times that the blessing only comes through the broken. You might be there today. The enemy takes, you, takes this time of brokenness. And what he wants to do? He wants to send lies into your mind that cause you to doubt. He's going to tell you that God's forgot you. He's going to tell you that nobody cares about you, that nobody loves you, nobody cares, nobody knows what you're going through. I need you to block those lies out. And during that brokenness, humble your heart to God. Let God bring the healing because there's strength that comes from the brokenness and the healing. There's blessings that come from the brokenness when he heals you. Goodness. But when we yield ourselves and our brokenness to the Holy Ghost, there's a great blessing and power that comes from it. Jesus offers our broken lives. I never thought of it this way. But he takes our broken lives and he offers it before his Father. And God extends grace and favor that can only be brought through that brokenness. Through that brokenness. It's in our brokenness that the Holy Spirit ministers to us. It's when we are broken before the Lord, we are open to Him working on us. And if you move forward in the life of Jesus, you're going to find that there's another scene where He's taking bread and He's breaking it. It was the Passover meal, the last night of His life. We call it the Lord's Supper or the Last Supper. And again, He's breaking it. In this breaking of the bread, it is the very picture of what He's willing to endure on your behalf. So Jesus' bread is broken. Jesus, I'm pouring out this juice, this wine. My life is going to be broken for you. I'm going to pour out my life for you, see. And, of course, that very evening in the morning, in that morning, Jesus allows his body to be broken and beaten and whipped and nailed to a cross. And three days later, under the power of the resurrection, he bursts forth out of that tomb. And another miracle has just taken occurrence. Right. That would have never happened without the breaking. We would not know the life that we know after we die if it wasn't for the breaking. There's blessings in that breaking of his life. There's blessings when your life is broken. It's when you're broken that God can bring life back into your life. And the healing that you need is through the brokenness. Never be ashamed of your brokenness. Be thankful that God can use it for his glory. 
for its glory. Another biblical principle from this text is that whatever we give Jesus, I love this, He multiplies it. He, he multiplies it. He, he, he multiplies. So Jesus takes the five loaves and the two fish. He prays over them, breaks them, and, and, and then hands the meal out to his disciples to hand out. And out of obedience, the disciples begin to hand, handing out the food. And something happened. Over 5,000, possibly 15,000 people, we don't know, ate and were satisfied. The fact that they were all satisfied and full is another miracle in itself. So I don't know if that's ever happened at a church function, church meal or not. I don't know, last Sunday I was satisfied. Woo! Glory to God, I went home. and I didn't take a nap, but I was like an old hog up there. Oh, I couldn't even get my wife to come in and rub my belly for me. Oh, it's so, whew. Man, I had to, had to wear my stretchy, stretchy my, my fat pants that afternoon with elastic in them. Had to get back on my diet the next day. Anyways, I'm, I know, I need to hurry. I need to hear it. Y'all are being very patient. Thank you. This is for your benefit. God wants you to have this today. He does. I love the fact that God is about adding to our lives through multiplication. I want you to think about that. I, I don't have time to go through the scripture, but there's plenty of scriptures that talks about shaking together, running over. You give him this and he gives you a hundred full of that. There's, God's not about saying one plus one equals two. He says five plus two equals five, ten, fifteen thousand. That's the power of God. That's the kind of God that you serve today. See, he multiplies his blessing after blessing after blessing in our lives. When we give God what we have, it always will be more than enough. When you give God what you have, it's a stewardship issue. He will bless it, and it will be more than enough. And you know what I find interesting? You can through, look through the, the Bible and there's plenty of instances where God feeds people miraculously. I mean, out in the wilderness, the children of Israel. I mean, God could have just right here in this one said, well, we got 10,000 people. That's not quite a million, but I can do that. And he could have manna fall from heaven for these people in Matthew 14. He could have had quail fly in from the water and, and feed them. He could have, but he didn't. He didn't. He could have had rodeos show up and pulled out 16-ounce T-bones, medium rare with a sweet baked potato with side order fried shrimp. I know you're hungry. Now I got your attention, don't I? Yeah, I'm getting a dirty look from one of my deacons back there. All right. But he didn't. He didn't. He could do anything he wanted to, but he didn't. What he did was he looked at what was offered from, he looks at what we offer him, rather, and he chooses us to, and chooses to invite us to be a part of the process. See, so often we go to God, oh, God, oh, God, what am I going to do? God, what am I going to do? And God says, mm, mm There's no belly aching. There's no whining. If you're going to whine, whine and get it over with because that whining does not get it done. I'm not talking about crying out to God. There's a crying out to God. I understand there's a, that brokenness. But once you're done, give Him what you have. Amen. Bless it. Give Him what you have. And it will be more than enough. He wants you to be a part of the miracle. The children of Israel, they had to get up and gather the manna. The quail, they didn't come in already deep fried. They had to go get them. They had to clean them. And they had to cook them. 
That's just like this weekend, all the fish. The fish were good to eat, but it was nasty cleaning them, right? I wouldn't know. I didn't clean any of them. But anyways. <laughs> Don't ever think what you have to offer God is useless or insignificant. I want to say that again. Don't ever think what you have to offer God is useless or insignificant because that's not true. If you give it to God, it is enough. If you give it to God, it is enough. He will take what you give and make more than enough. He is able to take our little and make much. The Lord takes our measly offerings, our little gifts, and somehow will completely, our complete, with complete satisfaction, He's able to do a miracle that will bring the deepest level of peace to our souls. To make His point, I love it. Jesus says, okay, boys, now go pick up the leftovers. There's leftovers, Lord? Yeah. By the way, each one of you is going to need a basket. It's not like they went out and picked up the basket full of leftovers. They went around with a basket. And they said, what you got left over? And they went and got it, and they brought it to Jesus. As a reminder, don't doubt me. A little is a lot in my kingdom. God's, I love God's math. Two fish, five loaves, 10, 15,000 meals. People leave satisfied. The greatest miracle, though, is this. They heard the word spoken to them that day all day long from a compassionate, loving God who was mourning himself over the loss of a loved one and friend. This is a powerful story. We get comfortable with it sometimes. We learned it in Sunday school. There's so much deep, deep wealth in it for us as Christians today. We serve a God of enough. Ephesians 3.20 says, Now to him who is able to do immensely more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that has worked within us, our God is able. He's able to do more than we could ever imagine. So here we go. Alex, if you would, come on back up. If you would, I'm going to close out here. I know God's already done a work, but I don't want to just give you this meal. Because you may not have responded earlier. And God may be working. The Holy Spirit may be working. But two fish, five loaves isn't much. Matter of fact, this past weekend, two fish, five loaves wouldn't have even fed one of those hungry men that was on that fish retreat. Pendle, how big? Now, there's some big ones. I think Brother Gerald caught the biggest one. There were some big ones, but two fish, five loaves, right, isn't much. But when you take what you have, what may look meager and insignificant, and you put that in the hands of our God, our all-powerful God, miracles happen, lives are changed, and the world is better. The world's better. We need a better world today. It's no different in your life. What would happen if you took what, what you consider little, Whatever it is, and you place it in the hands of God. What would happen you just to see what God might do with it? I believed you would be amazed. I really do. Do you think that little boy was amazed that brought the two fish and five loaves? Wow. I mean, when Jesus bled it better, it's better than lumless bread. It really is. If you don't know what lumless bread is, don't worry about it. But you that know what lumless bread is, you know it's better than lumless bread, isn't it? That's elfin bread. Never mind. That's been right over everybody's head. Forgive me, Lord. That wasn't you. That was me. Yeah. That little boy was amazed. You think the disciples were amazed? Yeah. Do you think the crowd that knew what happened? Some of those people probably didn't know what happened. Right? Do you think they? Yeah, those who knew was amazed. You think God was amazed? No, not at all. Not at all. Jesus knew. 
If we'll give him something out of faith, he's going to take it and he's going to do great things with it. I pray today that no matter where you are in life right now, that you would simply take what you have and give it to Jesus. Give it to Jesus. Many of you are broken. Take your brokenness and say, Lord, you know what's going on in my life. I'm lonely. I'm lost. I don't know what my future looks like. I have no idea what to do. I've been hurt. I've been wronged. Whatever it is, give it to Jesus. And he'll take your brokenness and he'll bless you through it. I promise you will. Take your brokenness to the Lord. How about your pain? Body, your body's broken. Give it to Jesus. He'll bless you. Your disappointments, your losses, your inadequacies. Can I tell you something as your pastor that loves you? I'm tired of hearing what you can't do. What your, what your limits are. I'm going to say it again. I'm tired of hearing what you can't do and what your limits are. Take what you have. Lay it in the hands of Jesus and see what might happen. Some of y'all need to lay your relationships that you have. Give them to Jesus. I've said this a lot lately because I see it a lot happening in your lives. Many of you are in toxic relationships and it's destroying you. Now, I'm not saying you can leave your husband or your wife. That's not what your pastor's saying because that's not biblical. But outside of that relationship and that of a children, any toxic relationship doesn't mean you can't be friends with that person, but you might need to distance yourself with that person if it's toxic. All your belongings, all your finances, your future, your life. Put all you have in the hands of Jesus, all that you are. And I believe if you would do that, Jesus would multiply whatever you give him because our God is enough. He's able. Amen. Bow your heads with me this morning. Father, I thank you so much for this powerful text. God, this is a, Lord, this is a Bible story I can remember in my second and third grade Sunday school classes. God, probably even beyond that, Lord, this great miracle of you providing out of the little boy's lunch, God, food for 5,000 men plus women and children. It's a great miracle, Lord, but it's more than just a, a fairy tale or a story, God. This is real. It really happened, God. You, Lord, allow our faith to rise this morning and realize, God, because, God, you know with the media we have today, with, the, with, with our hunger, our appetite for, for movies and entertainment, Lord, there's so many things out there that are fairy tales, that are science fiction, that are, that are fantasy, that aren't real. But, God, this is real. This Bible's full of stories, that things that really happened, God, and you, Jesus, took five loaves, Two fish, blessed it, broke it, and feed over 5,000 people. Reality is, Lord, many of us in here this morning are struggling in some area of our lives. God, you may have already done the work in the altar before I preach. God, you know, I get frustrated when you do that, but you're God. I'm not, so I'm okay with it. The reality is, Lord, you're just confirming what you've already done through the message I just preached. You preached through me. And so, Lord, I pray that this morning, God. If anyone's here, God, that did not lay it at the altar, their brokenness, their inadequacies, God, their their hurt, their pain, God, whatever it is they're facing, Lord, help them today to leave it, just put what their finances, Lord, in your hands. Lord, someone in here this morning needs to put their children in your hands, God. You're gonna, I believe that, God. You're gonna bless them, Lord. You're gonna bless the mighty, Lord. And you surrender it all to you. Do that. With heads bowed, eyes closed. I wonder this morning if there's anybody in the hearing of my voice, please. Please bow your heads for me. I want people to feel privacy right now. If you're here this morning, 
and you would like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior because it begins there. If He's not your Lord, if you haven't received Him as Lord and Savior and He's not your Lord of your life, then you have not placed your life in His hand. It begins by placing your life in His hands. And if that's you this morning and you'd like to receive Christ, all you have to do is raise your hand. I'll pray with you. Anybody at all this morning, raise your hand. You'd like to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. Don't let this moment pass. Anybody at all today. Maybe you want to rededicate your life to the Lord. Maybe as a, as a child or a younger person or sometime in your life, thank you, brother. Thank you for that hand. That you, you, and you said, you know what? I, this is just reminds me today that I, I have taken things out of God's hand. I've even taken my life out of his hand. And he'll let you do that if you want to. I'm ready to place it back in my life, my future, my family, my finances, my relationship, my business, my income. Thank you for that hand. Thank you for that hand. Anybody else today? Thank you for that hand. I just want to give, I just want to rededicate it all back to the Lord. It begins right there with the heart. He knows your heart. He knows your heart. God, you see those who've raised their hands here this morning. I thank you, God, for the tenderness of their hearts and the realization, Lord, that they can't do it on their own. God, it's even the acknowledgement, God, that they've taken their lives back into their own hands. They're trying to manage their own life and the affairs of their life, God, and that's not the way you want it. We are bought with a price. We belong to you. You order our steps, God. And, Lord, the remarkable, miraculous thing is that, Lord, when we do that, when we submit to your kingdom authority, Lord, and our lives to you, then your mathematics take over in our lives and you'll take what little bit we have. You bless it, God, and you make a lot out of it. You're God of more than enough. Bless their lives, each and one of these that raise their hands as they recommit their lives to you. They're making a demarcation or lying in the sand. Today, I'm giving my hand, my life back into the hands of God. And Lord, I hate to say it, but you're getting all the baggage too. You got my relationships, you got my finances, you have my sin, you have my addiction, you got my, my past. You've got my future. It's all yours. Man, when you do that, he's going to take it. He's going to take what you give him. He's going to take your mess and make a message out of it. He, the test you've been through, he's going to give you testimony, and he's going to bless what you give him, and it's going to be more than enough in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining our podcast. Here at Bear Creek AG, our goal is to help others know God, find freedom, discover their purpose, and make a difference. Have a great week.